0: Jesus, Moses, Elijah, and a mountain.
1: Grab your Bible, and let's talk.
0: Welcome to the Bible, Glitter & Glue podcast, where Bible study and thought-provoking conversation lead to creative teaching. Now, here are your hosts, David and Mary Nelson. Thank you for joining David and I again today as we talk about another event in the life of Jesus. Today we're talking about the transfiguration of Jesus in Matthew chapter 17, verses 1 through 13. Now, David, when I hear transfiguration, that's not a word I hear every day on the street.
1: (laughs) No, no, it's not a common word, is it, that we use. In verse 2, it says Jesus was changed, or Jesus was transfigured. The word in the original language here is the word "metamorphothei," and that's the word metamorphosis. We understand what metamorphosis is. We think of the caterpillar who changes into a beautiful butterfly.
0: That makes sense to me when I hear metamorphosis. So it's usually changing significantly but into something better, and I read somewhere often even spiritual, on the spiritual realm.
1: That's right, Mary, that's good. And that's an important point for us to note here, when Jesus was changed or transfigured. It's kind of a foreshadowing, I believe, of the resurrection, and that kind of comes a little bit later, so we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves.
0: Yes, David, we're very good at getting ahead of ourselves, aren't we? But let's start in verse 1 of chapter 17 starts with 6 days later. So there's something that's happened right before this. And that that's Peter's confession, isn't it, in chapter 16?
1: It is, and that's an important point to note because we need to get the context to kind of understand the story of the transfiguration. What's happening? So in chapter 16, as you said, in verses 13 to 20, is a story of Peter's confession of Jesus. When Jesus asks his disciples, who do people say that I am? And they say, basically, well, they say you're a prophet. But then Jesus says, who do you say that I am? Who do you confess me to be? And Peter says, we believe that you are the Christ or the Messiah, the Son of the living God. So he made a correct confession about Jesus's identity. That Jesus goes on in verse 21 and following, at least to the end of the chapter, through verse 28, of explaining what that confession means. He's the Messiah, yes, but what kind of Messiah is he? And he says, the Messiah, that is me, I must go to Jerusalem to suffer and die. Of course, that doesn't really compute to the disciples, because Messiah and suffering just didn't go together in their thinking. So this confession of that Jesus is the Messiah is the background to our story here in Matthew chapter 17.
0: And I think that's really significant because Jesus said, who do people say I am? And then he says, who do you say I am? And now in this chapter, we're going to hear who God says he is.
1: So Peter's confession is a confirmation of who Jesus is. And then this story is as well as another confirmation. But the confirmation, as you said, Mary, it comes from God. So Jesus is being confirmed of his identity. But it's not just understanding that Jesus, yeah, he's the Messiah. But what does that mean? What kind of Messiah is he? Because that's the Messiah that we're called to follow.
0: Jesus takes Peter, James, and then John, the brother of James, up onto a high mountain. Sometimes we've talked about before how he goes alone to pray. Maybe they were thinking that's what was going to happen this time. But on the top of this mountain, they witnessed Jesus changing in a way they never expected.
1: Not at all. It says, while they watched, this is verse 2, Jesus was changed or transfigured. His face became bright like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And then verse 3, another unexpected event happens. Then two men were there talking with him, and the men were Moses and Elijah.
0: Moses and Elijah are two really significant figures to any Jew. So for Jesus to be in the company of Moses and Elijah, that's saying a lot, isn't it?
1: It is saying a lot. The background of the story is Exodus 24 and 34. And when you have time, it would be good to read those texts. But anyway, there are several things that are said here in this text of Matthew that are said also, or words that are used, are the same in the Exodus text, and in this text, the six days corresponds to the six days in Exodus 24, verse 15. In Exodus 24, there's a high mountain. In Exodus, it's Sinai, and here it's just a high mountain. There are clouds in Exodus 24, clouds here. There's a voice of God back in the Exodus story as there is here, and there's a shining face back in the Exodus story as there is here. He is using the language from Exodus 24 and 34 as a way to help us understand what's going on with Jesus as he was transfigured and as Moses and Elijah are here.
0: So far removed from that time, I don't think maybe we appreciate how much the Jews reading this, how the the disciples hearing this and seeing this, how much they would have recognized those things. This is all very familiar, and it all just brings more weight to what's happening. This is a huge event happening right before them.
1: It says that Jesus' face became bright, his clothes became white, and then Moses and Elijah appeared. So I think we're probably to understand that only Jesus was changed. Moses and Elijah looked the same Uh, They weren't transfigured.
0: So, not sure how they recognized them, but they did.
1: They did, yeah. We're not not told.
0: I do find it interesting that Moses and Elijah, neither one had what we would call a normal death or a recorded death. It's a little bit in the fog, shadowed a little bit.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's right. That's a good point that you bring up. Because both of these people, Moses and Elijah, their endings are very unique. Moses goes up on the Mount Nebo in Deuteronomy chapter 34. He looks over into the promised land and God told him he wasn't going to set foot in it, but he can look over into it. And it says he dies and he's buried, but he's by himself. He's buried and no one knows the grave, even to this day. That's what Deuteronomy 34 says. And so... I think we're to presume that God buried Moses because nobody else was around, and then of course, Elijah in second Kings chapter two, he's taken up into heaven in a whirlwind, so he doesn't experience what everybody else experiences normal death so these yeah, these two figures, their endings are unique in the Bible, but not only that, and I think you mentioned this earlier, Moses the great lawgiver, he's the one who was God's spokesperson. God gave the law through him to the people. And Elijah is the greatest of all prophets. He's sort of the quintessential prophet. And so these two figures here represent the law and the prophets.
0: This is being witnessed by these men. And it's Peter that speaks up, isn't it? In these next verses, he's Going to say something. He knows this is important. He doesn't understand exactly what's happening, but that doesn't stop him from talking.
1: (laughs) Some people just have to say something, don't they? And I think Peter is one of those. He means well, but he doesn't always get it right in what he says. And so he says, Lord, it's it's good that we're here.
0: (laughs) Awkward. (laughs) (laughs) All of this spiritual stuff going on, it's like, it's good that we're here. (laughs)
1: And he said, if you want, I will put three tents here. I I don't know what materials he was going to use, but anyway, he wanted to direct three tents, one for Jesus, one for Moses, one for Elijah.
0: Sounds like a building project.
1: (laughs) Well, yeah, he he means well, but he doesn't really know what he's saying. And it's at this point that a cloud, it says a bright cloud covered them. And there's a voice that came from the cloud. And the voice said in verse five, this is my son and i love him i am very pleased with him listen to him so that's the voice of god and so while there's all this commotion going on jesus is transfigured moses and elijah are there the law and the prophets are there and peter wants to honor moses and elijah and jesus so he says we'll build tents for each no god says you know you've confessed jesus as the messiah He's my son. I love him. He's pleasing to me because he's carrying out my will, which, of course, would lead to the cross. He says you need to listen to him.
0: This cloud, it's as if this cloud comes down, covers them all, and then as the cloud dissipates, it's just Jesus. Right. No more Moses and Elijah. Things kind of come back to the normal, I guess you'd say. Jesus that they know. And walk with every day.
1: Yeah. I find it interesting that the voice here in Matthew 17 says the same thing as the voice in Matthew chapter 3 when Jesus was baptized. Same thing. So that God affirms Jesus there at the beginning of his ministry, and here he confirms it again in this transfiguration. Again, we're just reminded of the importance of understanding Jesus as this Messiah, this long-awaited one who would come and be faithful to God, to do God's will, to go all the way, to suffer on behalf of God's people and for all people in the cross and resurrection. And this is a preview of that, a foreshadowing of that coming up.
0: I think when I'm teaching this lesson, I I want to dwell a little bit on that significance. This is almost a time where the curtain comes aside a little bit and, and we have a peak of heaven in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh this is where God speaks from a cloud. You know, he did that back in the old testament, he did that with Moses. He did that with a whirlwind and Elijah. And as like you said, in the baptism of Jesus, he spoke from a cloud. And this transfiguration, but I'm just even thinking ahead here. You know, he ascended to heaven after he was killed on the cross, after he was buried and resurrected. You know, after that, he ascended into heaven on a cloud, and the angel that was there said he'll be coming back on a cloud. And I I just find that cloud Mm -hmm. idea very interesting, God speaking from a cloud.
1: That is very interesting, Mary. It would be a good study to go through the Bible to see when all those things come together.
0: It is, but also the idea is clouds are giving us the idea we don't see what's beyond a cloud. And this mm. totally goes with this idea of this voice is coming from a cloud. We know it's God. We believe Him. We trust Him. But we don't see everything about God. We don't know everything about God. There is still that Transcendent mystery about God.
1: There is. The voice speaks out of the cloud and says, This is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. So let's just think for a moment. Listen to him. Peter said, Hey, we need to build these tents to Moses and Elijah and you as well. Moses and Elijah, they've served their role. The role of the law of the prophets were to point to this one coming, to point to Jesus. Jesus fulfills the story of Israel. He The story of Israel climaxes in Jesus. And so it's time now to listen to Jesus. Now listen to him as he explains what it means for him to be the Messiah that goes to Jerusalem to suffer and die, and that his followers must follow him to that place as well. It's easy to hear But it's a lot more difficult to listen. Just think about that for a moment. We can hear a lot of things. We can hear the Bible, and we filter what we hear through already what we know or what we think we know. There's all these other voices in our minds as well, but we need to learn to listen. Just listen to God. Listen to Jesus. That will take some work to learn to listen, to listen clearly, to listen well, to listen Without being distracted, that takes a lot of work, a lot of discipline. God says, listen to him.
0: As much as Peter speaks up with maybe not giving a lot of thought, I think Peter actually listened that day. I'm thinking of his later writings in Second Peter chapter 1 verses 16 through 21. Peter reflects on this time. And he, he says, we saw this. We saw the glory of God. And he's saying the words that we're preaching are not just made up stories, but these are approved by God. He witnessed. And he said those words that are true actually bring light to the world. In the same way Jesus' face glowed, I'm thinking Peter might have thought, these things bring light to the world. So Peter listened.
1: He did. So as we come toward the end of this story, we come to probably one of the more challenging parts of the story. They're coming down the mountain, and Jesus tells them, don't say anything about this until the Son of Man is raised from the death. And they probably didn't quite get what he meant right then. This story is a foreshadowing of the resurrection, because this story was told you know, after Jesus was raised, because we have the story here. We're reading this story.
0: They did revisit that thought, though, of Elijah, because... Moses, of course, representing the law, but they were saying, hey, people are teaching about Elijah right now, and what does that mean? They're saying that Elijah must come first before Christ comes. So, I mean, it was being talked about, so they were trying to match up what they had just heard and seen with what was being taught.
1: Right. Elijah was a very important prophetic figure at this period of time in in Jewish history, Elijah was believed to have come back before God does his work of redemption and judgment because they were looking for the kingdom of God.
0: So in really, and many people would say, well, Elijah hasn't come back, so the Messiah is right. not here yet. Right. And yet.
1: Jesus says, well, actually, Elijah has come. Uh, and he says, John the Baptist is Elijah. So once again, John the Baptist's role is very important in pointing us to Jesus, because if John is a prophet, and he was, then that means that Jesus is the Messiah, because he has appeared before Jesus. And then the disciples, they did understand. So this whole episode of Jesus being transfigured is a further confirmation that he is this long-awaited Messiah that has come to give his life for the sake of his people, for the sake of the world.
0: And God says so. You know, I think that's the significance of the transfiguration, this happening up on a mountain. And, you know, we read many things that different writers throughout the Bible say, this word is directly from God, that this is true. This is my son. Listen to him. How convicting for me. I want to listen. I do, too. Just to recap a little bit, I think it's always helpful to have an outline, David, so I've got, and there's, there are arguably a few ways to do this, quite a few different ways. Let's just try this simplified one. The first point just being the transfiguration itself, and that's verses 1 through 3. And then I've got verses 4 and 5. I just call this the significance of the transfiguration. I mean, Peter's thinking he knows how significant it is, but then God makes it clear Why this is significant. And then verses six through thirteen, it's just now what? So how does this relate to the teachings of the day, to what's going on with John the Baptist? So it's putting it into the context of the teaching of the day. So I just had the three points.
1: Okay. Good. Thank you. Well, we have a lot more things we could say about this story, but I want to know Mary. How can children understand this story? How can they relate to what's being said in this story?
0: I think one of my most fun ways of telling a story happens for the Transfiguration, one that I find really enjoyable okay, because it involves food, and that's always fun. As I'm telling the story, in front of me is a tub of ice cream, an ice cream scoop, and a bottle of Coca Cola. Okay. And I can tell you, I have their interest already.
1: You have my interest.
0: <laughs> so when I'm telling this story, I'm just talking about it and telling what's happening. And then I give each child a glass and I put scoops of ice cream in their glass one scoop for Jesus, a second scoop for Elijah. And a third scoop for Moses. And we look at those scoops, and we talk about that. And let me tell you, they almost always remember those three people after that, Moses, Elijah, and Jesus. But that's not all. As I get to the part about the cloud descending, that's when I pour the Coca-Cola in their glass over that ice cream. And if you've made an ice cream float or a spider, as some people call it, it fizzes up Mm. and goes almost over the glass. And that's when we talk about that cloud descending on all of them. I'm not sure if it's the most meaningful exercise we've ever done, but it is a fun way to tell the story, and they will remember this story. They will. It's
1: it's memorable and delicious at the same time. At the
0: same time. I also want children on a serious note here to understand listening to the words of Jesus. A lot of children have never seen a red-letter edition of a Bible, so if that's something I can put my hands on, I like to show them what a red-letter edition of the New Testament looks like. And the sections that are in red, I say, oh, those are the words that Jesus actually said. And so they pick out some of those words and we read those, and we listen to them, and I read some of those words of Jesus. So it's just another way of listening to Jesus. Different games, I whisper things, and they try to hear. I might like to do a little talking about light, the fact that Jesus' light shone and was so bright, and and just how Jesus brings light to our world. And this could be uh, even done in a craft where we use glow-in-the-dark paint, and we write Jesus in the glow-in-the-dark paint. And kids always love that, because when that dries, they get to see how that works, and they can take that home with them. I've got lots more. I think you need to look on missionbibleclass.org, because there are a lot of ideas there for teaching a variety of ages. But what about the adult age group, David?
1: I think it's important talking about listening is listening to the text is to really pay attention to the text and and to do that we can ask probing questions so read exodus chapter twenty four you might not be able to read the whole chapter because of time, but read exodus twenty four nine through eighteen and then read exodus thirty four twenty nine through thirty five and just note the parallels from those chapters in exodus and Matthew's telling of the story of the transfiguration of Jesus in Matthew chapter 17. If you have a whiteboard, just draw a line in the middle, make two columns, and then just write the parallels, write words or ideas that are the same in both accounts. I think Matthew wants us to read his story of the transfiguration with the background of Exodus chapter 24. And so the question might be, why might Matthew be telling the story of the transfiguration using the background of the giving of the law on Sinai in Exodus 24 and 34 what would be his reason for doing that i think that's worth thinking about and talking about
0: hey david there's a really good program a lot of people may not have heard of is just bible gateway and where you can look up passages of scripture and you could cut and paste those scriptures into a document and maybe have two columns and have them side by side so they could actually see those quite easily in your class. I mean, if you're crunched for time, especially.
1: That's a good idea. One of the major points of this lesson here is God speaking and said, listen to him, listen to my son. So how do we listen to Jesus today? And what prevents us or hinders us listening to Jesus clearly? What other voices in our world, in our lives, can mask or drown out the voice of Jesus? That would be a very good discussion question. I think we all like to think we listen to Jesus. But I think it's a a challenge to learn to listen clearly to what Jesus is saying in His Word or in the Bible.
0: And our world is so much noisier than it used to be.
1: One way to help us to listen to Jesus is... Just listen to the text being read. If someone in, the, in your room in your class has a Bible, just have one person in the room read the text. And everybody else close their Bible and just listen to the Bible being read. That's something we don't do very often. And I think it's a, a good discipline to do is listen to others read the Scripture. Not us following along, but just learning to listen to them. Those are a few ideas.
0: Oh, those are great, David. I just think this is a beautiful story, the Transfiguration. And I just pray that in reading this and in listening to Jesus, that you feel inspired to share that message to the students that you teach, whether that's adults or children.
1: May God bless you as you speak into the lives of adults and children.
0: Thank you for listening to the Bible Glitter and Glue podcast. Subscribe now to listen to new weekly episodes and visit missionbibleclass.org for more free resources to help you share God's Word with children.